Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. I am really excited about this episode today. I have my dear friend Jacqueline Ruley joining us today to speak about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd in the Home and empowering the domestic church and praying together as a family. And she does this very beautifully with her husband and their children. And so she talks a lot about practically, how does it, how do, how do they do it? What does it look like? And I think that this is a very important episode, um, especially right now, since some people are not able to gather in their atrium at all right now or this year. And at first, when I thought about this episode and was praying about this episode, I was thinking those families, those children, those people in mind. But as I continued to pray and think, and Jacqueline and I were speaking about it, I now realize that this episode is for all of us. This episode is to empower all of us, whether we are in an atrium right now or not. So I invite you, please listen to this episode. It is a long one, but it is packed full. So please stick with us, listen to the whole thing, and please share it. If you know anybody who has children in their home or grandchildren in their lives or children in their lives in any capacity, please share this episode with them because we want to inspire and empower people to build the domestic church, to pray with their children outside of the atrium, outside of mass, to wonder at God's gifts that are constantly surrounding us alongside the children in their lives. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as Jacqueline and I enjoyed recording this episode. Also, on our CGS USA website, we have a lot of resources that we have created to help the domestic church, to help parents, grandparents, adults pray with their children at home, to grow spiritually with the children in their lives outside of the atrium. We have resources about prayer tables and practical life exercises planting seeds and praying with children, making prayer cards at home, the enthronement of the Bible activity, so many resources. So please go to cgsusa.org. If you click on the top where it says COVID-19, then you will be able to see all the different types of resources that we have. And you could click where it says for families, the parent pages, and there's an abundance of resources that we have created specifically with you in mind to help inspire you and to help aid you on this journey of growing closer to God, growing more in love with God alongside the children in your life. Hey, Jacqueline, welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Jacqueline, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am born and raised from Texas, and I have been married for almost 13 years, and I have six children between the ages of 13 and baby. I have been in the work of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd for about eight years, and I can't believe it's been that long. I still feel like a baby with it. Um, and I was a, I'm a cradle Catholic and went to, was very privileged to go to um, John Paul II Institute in Washington, D.C. to study marriage and family theology. 
Yeah. I met my husband with um, a crazy story from Katrina and that's like the craziest thing I've ever done. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I can't believe John Thomas is 13 already. John Thomas was in my level two. He's in level two with me. Yeah, That's crazy. I can't believe he's 13. It is crazy in that now I have two children almost in level three. Um, That's crazy. No, I know. It's just so funny how time flies. Long days, short years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, Jacqueline, I am really excited to have you on because I feel like you give a beautiful witness to how to apply catechesis of the Good Shepherd in your home and how to really live out the call of the domestic church. Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. That's exciting. Well, in this time right now with COVID, I feel like a lot of parishes and families are finding themselves in a very unique place where a lot of parishes are not able to offer any type of formation or they're offering maybe the option to do it at home. No matter what the options are, I feel like this is a beautiful time, kind of a silver lining within it all, to allow the domestic church to rise up, for us to empower families, empower parents to live into their call to be the primary catechist for their children. Yeah. So like whenever we throw out that term domestic church, it just means the family at home, the church at home. Mm -hmm. think that there's a, a silver lining, as you put it, an opportunity for the family to, as the gospels say, be who you are. You are Christ in the world and we are baptized. So we are we are priest, prophet, and king in the world. And so the domestic church is being filled right now. <laughs> so it's a very exciting time. So then that, that begs the question for the parents and for ministers like us to, to really show and to remind the family who you are and, and what does that look like? I feel like a lot of families or a lot of parents are very intimidated by the idea of being the primary catechist. I think partly because uh, intimidated by the children's questions, maybe, and they don't know how to answer them. Like maybe my child's going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. If yeah. children and their beautiful, innocent questions that they ask and we don't know how to respond. I think that might be one intimidating thing. And then I think the other part is just busyness. Like how am I going to fit this into my day? Yeah. That's so true. I also think we're intimidated because we've been placed in the structure of learning where it's, here's a, here's a question and now I have to have an answer. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, through our formation with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, we have been given away an antidote to those. The, the questions that the children ask us are really more of an invitation to enter into the question. So mm -hmm. I think the busyness that you also mentioned, they kind of tie together. Take, for example, um, if a child asks us a question that we might kind of ponder for a second and be like, uh, I don't know, like, what is holy water? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it gives us a moment to pause and, and to enter into that question of, yeah, what is holy water? Well, what do we know about water? So we can respond to them and also ponder with them, which then removes that intimidation. Mm -hmm. Because if we look at what 
the catechesis of the good shepherd is teaching the adult. It's teaching the adult to be little and it's teaching the adult to decrease themselves, humble themselves so that Christ can increase. Mm -hmm. So when the child asks, what is holy water? Well, we can go to that question and say, well, what do we know about water? And then we can then begin to describe what water is. And that's exactly what we do in those presentations, isn't it? Don't we say, mm -hmm. okay, what does water do? It gives us life. It washes us. It um, is fun. I love asking that question at the baptism work with the level one child. What does is, what is water do? And it's fun, you know, because they're bathing and they're swimming. Mm -hmm. um, it moves. It has a sound. It's so fun to use that imagination. Okay. So now that we have entered into that with the child, now the child has actually given us the answer <laughs> for the spiritual life. Okay. So holy water also. It gives us life. It helps us move. It cleanses. And then we ask that question, is it our body? What is it that you think? The water that is given to us in church, this holy water is actually feeding. And then we just wait, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is that busyness. Like we, you mentioned, it, this slows us down and it forces us to be still and to ponder and this is where that intimidation becomes now free and spontaneous and beautiful because now if the child doesn't give me that answer right away, it's okay. Usually the child is suffice with just the imagination. And then when they give us the answer, it's this spontaneous gift of like, oh, surprise, I just mm -hmm. found it. So um, the formation that we received in the atrium with these wondering questions is really also a way to just be with the child at home. Mm -hmm. I just had a similar conversation with my, my six-year-old brushing his teeth, actually. <laughs> so we're getting ready for bed and, um, you know, I can be busy, I'm like brush your teeth, put your jammies away, you know, all these things that we're supposed to be doing. And I, I slowed myself down. It's like, Michael, why do we brush our teeth? He's like, so bugs don't get in them. And yes. And why do we want the bugs to not get in them? Who gave us these wonderful pearls of great price and these wonderful things? And, and did you make your teeth? And so we just kind of spend time going through these questions. And eventually um, I, I asked him a question and his response was, because we want to live. And I was like, oh, we want, we brush our teeth because we want to live. And I wonder who gave us these teeth that really want us to live. And he's like, God. So then we're brushing our teeth because God wants us to. And this also is an antidote to this busyness in our home because now I've involved the child in this work of just brushing teeth, which can be mm -hmm. so mundane and monotonous and routine and can kind of feel hard. And now this child who hasn't been in the atrium in six months, who misses the atrium, is now engaged in the work in the same way that he would have been probably in the atrium in something. He's now thinking about brushing his teeth. And I can just say, what can we tell him for giving us these teeth and then walk away and go take care of the nine-month-old, knowing that he's going to be happy with that? I love that so much, Jacqueline, because 
you didn't set out a specific time. We're like, it doesn't have to be everybody just sitting around the prayer table every time. You use a mundane thing like brushing your teeth and you turned it into an encounter with your child and an encounter with God. I love that. The children lead us to these very basic questions, that, things like maybe we've never thought of before, like what is holy water? We might not have ever thought about it before unless a child asks us, or why do we brush our teeth? You know, we might not have thought about it unless a child asks us. And so the child lead us to these basic questions that allow us to kind of reponder things. And I love that you can just ask the question right back to them. Well, what is, what is holy water? Why do we brush our teeth? And allow that just mundane moment, unplanned, spontaneous, come Holy Spirit moment to be an encounter between you your child and God. That's yeah. awesome. It's really awesome because this has been so formative for me. I did not grow up with this type of, my parents didn't talk with me this way. So at some point I too was intimidated of how am I going to raise Christian children who can pray as St. Paul says, always when mm. I didn't grow up praying always, how am I going to do this? But really the work has really shown us that God has prepared an environment for us that we can enter into. And there's an invitation for prayer everywhere we are, if we just find it. And so, you know, for parents who, who are not formed in this work, who maybe have children in the atrium who are like, oh my gosh, like, I can't even go to a formation right now. I think if we, if we can take what the spirituality of the work is, is that Everything is a gift and that the child is this silent disciple who is inviting us into this place mm -hmm. of worship and that the child has an integrity and a dignity that he is able to witness to us, then we can take little moments and bring them into prayer. For example, mm -hmm. when my children fall and they have a wound, they run to me. And what do we in the secular way do when they run to us? Well, you know, with, can I kiss it? Um, you're okay. And kind of like brush it off. But the next step is now asking and entering into this fascination of God's work. Well, you're not hemorrhaging. Your, your blood is not gushing out of your arm. I wonder why it stopped. What is happening here? Ah, there is a teacher, and this is very Montessori. There's a teacher inside of your body who has taught your cells to stop and to slow down and watch. The good shepherd is going to give you a Band-Aid in about one day. So when you start to see some brown things showing up, will you come show me? Yes. So now I've kind of like entered into this wonderment. Then later the child will come to me or I will even point out because they're kind of not really paying attention later. Like they're not paying attention, but I am because I'm always surprised that we get this scab on our skin when we have a cut. So I'll point out to the child or have the child point out to me, oh my gosh, there is a scab there. Did you put that there? No. Did you buy it? Well, someone had to put it there. Did your sister put it there? No. Well, when did it get there? And we just sit in this moment of like, wow, something has happened that is ordered to perfection. 
And then we just kind of go, okay, well, this is the best Band-Aid ever because this one will not fall off. And then later, one day I'll point out, oh my gosh, your scab is gone and now you have pink skin. I told you the good shepherd always leads us to what we need. He gave us new skin. And it's just so neat to see the three-year-old, the six-year-old, the nine-year-old really fascinate with this. And then you can bring this into new levels with the level two and level three child. So that's the six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-olds and above. Now we can say, where can we go to find out about blood clots and what blood clots do and how they benefit us? And so in other words, what we're doing with our children is we're helping them, just like Maria Montessori says, helping them do it themselves. And then we take that deeper into the the atrium life, help me find God myself. But those are not extrinsic to just religious life. Mm -hmm. And what I really appreciated about my formation with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and continuing to study Maria Montessori is seeing that these are not compartmentalized ideas and subjects. This Mm -hmm. is the whole of life. So everything we do is a living and breathing moment with God in all that we are. So the atrium is this perfect place, but it is a model and it mimics the home, which is why we have practical life. And it mimics the church. This is why we have these works of the liturgy and the scriptures. Mm-hmm. They are they are there for a purpose. Um, and so the intimidation then gets removed because now I can see that I am living in all of this. Mm-hmm. The, the atrium experience isn't limit to, limited to this specific room. Our encounter with God that happens in the atrium happens everywhere. And I think when we, when we kind of look at it that way, it opens up our eyes, like you said, like to all the beauty and gifts that are constantly around us. Like I'll go on walks with my children and I'll point out to them, wow, look at all the different types of trees. Look at all the different color green that surrounds us. Wow. God is such a beautiful artist and what a gift giver that he's given us such an abundance of types of trees. Did he need to give us so many types of trees? Could he have just given us one type of tree? Like this idea that pondering who God is and who we are in the kingdom of God extends beyond mass, extends beyond the atrium. And let the children be our guide to how we do that and let them help us have encounters with God in the world around us. Amen. I I could not agree more with extending beyond mass in the atrium. And in fact, when I started to, but just the very simple reading that I read when I read the child in the church, all those 13 years ago, um, I hadn't even stepped in, into formation. And I began to see that when I, and when I followed the child, my mass experience was deepened. My prayer life was deepened. So I had, I had at first approached it from the inverted point of like mass will flow out and will fill into my home. Like my, the way that I worship at home at, at mass will come into my, my home life. And really it's, it is that, but then 
it has a response and they're so consistent. They're so close together that you can't tell them apart. And so when I started to enter into this, this way of praying with my children and really just praying myself, I really began to pray myself in a real way was when I started to pray deeply in mass. And I just could not believe that it was my home that really gave me that foundation to go into mass and my experience in mass began to, to deepen. So the church in the catechism says that the mass is the, the summa. It's the highest summit of our prayer life. What I probably approaching wrong was I was starting at the top of the mountain, which is mass. And then thinking like, I'm doing it wrong because this is such a high level of prayer. How do I get to that? But there's all these foothills below the mountain that we need. And that's the domestic church. And the domestic church is this um, workout, this hiking, this playing, this love, this experience. So that when we get to mass, when we get to those, those quiet times of prayer, when we get to the rosary, all of these huge prayers that we consider to be so important, we've exercised this potentiality of being with God and Mm -hmm. God gives us our children to have that exercise. And the children are there to minister to us and say, look, look at all the things of God that God has given us. Mm -hmm. Well, Jacqueline, on a practical level for anybody with children in their lives that's listening to this episode, can you give some practical examples of how we can apply the formation we've received at Catechese of the Good Shepherd into our homes, into our domestic churches with the children in our lives? Yeah, that's so fun. I think it's so fun to look at the practicals because in the end, that's where we are, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, how do I do this? And how do I do this now? Especially for families who haven't been in formation and have seen their children just come home with such beautiful experiences in the atrium. And so, you know, how do we bring that to them? Um, I always start with Christ and Christ lives in, in the church and the church is filled with liturgy and scripture and the church is anchored around the altar. So in the home, we have an altar, if you will, a place where we gather and where we feed our, our body. And so I consider that an anchor spot mm-hmm. where prayer happens. The most in my home is not at our fancy kneelers that we bought to decorate the domestic church, but it happens at the messy dinner table that's filled with honey and jelly and mustard that doesn't get clean when it's supposed to. (laughs) Um, And also it happens through the scriptures. So we have on the side of our kitchen table, we have um, a prayer book, we have a Bible, and we have some torn out hymnal pages and things like that. So where is the practical? The practical is following following Christ. And since Christ lives in the church, there is something that we as parents can do and we can look we can look at the church and her cycles. So she gives us this rhythm of seasons. So mm-hmm. we can look and say, okay, what season is the church in? Okay, right now the season is ordinary time. And so the ordinary time is that growing time. So there's not really anything fancy right now that we can do 
that's external to typical prayer life. For example, like an Advent wreath or um, yeah. a pastel candle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a fun time in the domestic church to really just practice some of these Um, what I kind of call non-negotiables, the things that I feel that must happen in our home every day. And some of those non-negotiables for me are praying before meals, blessing our children before they go to bed and when we wake up um, and before we depart and scripture time, starting with like coming together at mealtimes. In the atrium, we have used prayer in this Lectio Divina style. So let's look at the prayer that the church has given us. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. We can stop right there and let the church guide us like the Christ child, like guide us into this prayer. Okay, bless us, O Lord. It's giving us the words, but I don't have to rattle them off and finish. I can say, these thy gifts. What gifts are before us right now? And ask the children, can you name one gift on this table? Milk. Okay. What is the Lord hiding in this milk that's going to nourish us? And they want to say cows. And so we can say, yes, the cow is hidden in here in a way, isn't it? Can we put the cow in our cereal bowl? No. But what is it that the cow is giving us? Milk. And what did the cow use to get this milk. The cow used grass, sun, air, dirt, all these things that the kids are really fun um, and enjoy lifting up. Now me, this is where I, as the catechist, can direct them. Who can we thank for the sun that the cow benefited from when it ate the grass that needed the sun? So now I'm just kind of guiding them through to try to lift up as many gifts that they can possibly think of and then say, in these thy gifts, which we're about to receive. And why does he give us all these things? Because he loves us. Amen. And then they eat. (laughs) You know, so I'm guiding them through this. There's also a really great way for us to look at the dinner table, the breakfast table, and the lunch table, you know, that's one way of using a rote prayer. But then we also can just say, before we eat this apple, I want to show you something. And we can take a knife and cut the apple on its horizontal end and then open up the apple and ask them, what do you see in this apple? And they might say one of two things. First, they might say, star because it's so cool that there's a star in this apple (laughs) and and it kind of goes what you were saying with you when you go walking on with your kids you know wow so many trees who put the star in this apple did you put it here no and then we can cut another one is there a star in here too oh my gosh it's in every apple i wonder why he put a star in the apple and just leave it there because now they're already entering into what we have seen in the atrium as this quiet prayer. And we can just say, amen, because they're, they're thanking God and they don't have the words to describe that. And then as they're tasting it, oh, it is so good. Mm-hmm. Then later we can come back to this moment and we can say, well, what is the star made of? 
that's made of seeds and they're in an order. And if I take this seed and I plant it, what's going to happen? And, you know, you can just go through and after you finish reflecting on wherever the child leads you, because sometimes it leads me to the 18 wheeler truck because the 18 wheeler truck is the one that brought the apples to H-E-B, <laughs> to our grocery store. So I never know where the child is going to take me, but he has brought me to so many places. And then we can say, oh, our Lord has such a perfect plan. And he tells us everything, doesn't he? Like a parable. He does not keep any secrets from us, does he? Who do we tell everything to? And they usually say, our friends, our family, oh, God looks at us as his friend. Have we heard this before? Yes, we've heard this. We've heard this in the parable of the good shepherd. And we've heard this in the parable of the true vine. He calls us friend. Oh, wow. What do we tell friends when they give us good things? And sometimes they say, I love you. Sometimes they say, thank you. Amen. So the, those are like the non-negotiables at, at like prayer time. And then we can also bless our children. We were baptized and we as parents were given the light of Christ. And when we were baptized, the priest basically told us, you are now priest, prophet, and king. And so through that, we in the domestic church can order things like a priest does. The priest orders all worship to be perfectly done. So in the domestic church, we order everything to give proper praise. And our little children are in front of us and we can bless them just like the priest blesses us when we are in mass and when we are around him and receiving the sacraments. So the very first place is just to make that simple, quiet gesture by tracing the sign of the cross over our child and having that quiet moment. You know, we don't even have to have words. We can just take our thumb, the strongest finger on our hand, and just trace this sign of the cross so so beautifully on our children's foreheads mm-hmm. and then just say amen and one day we can invite ourselves as children to say gosh i wonder what this gesture is saying beautiful child of god i bless you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit now go have a good night and don't wake up for any reason until (laughs) seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Um, You know, and sometimes we're away from our children um, for eight hours a day. And so, gosh, we're about to depart from each other. I'm going to give you a big hug. I hope you have a great day at school and may God bless you in your work today. Father, son, and Holy spirit. I can't wait to see you. And, and may you be protected from all that is evil and be brought only blessings today. Amen. You know, those are wonderful ways that we have seen our children respond. We, you know, for a, a two-year-old to bless us after we bless them sometimes looks like them just banging on our forehead, just tap, 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 tap. <laughs> but yeah, those are, those are kind of the non-negotiables for us or anchor times that we have. And the last one that I mentioned was um, scripture. The scriptures are there. Sometimes we have time with our children 
to use scripture, but my husband and I make sure that scripture is a part of our day because what we are doing is we are not just teaching our children about Christ, but we are encountering a person and we are encountering Christ ourselves. And so our relationship with him is modeled. It really impacted me when I learned that John Paul II caught his dad praying the rosary daily. And like my children catch me on my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I think what I'm doing is important, but I want them to catch me spending time with Christ, having a quiet Mm -hmm. moment with Christ. And so, um, you know, having these non-negotiables and anchor times for myself. And even if it's a quick prayer in the morning, Lord, open my lips so my mouth will proclaim your praise. Lord God, be with me today. Um, the, The church gives us the mass readings and I don't have time to go to daily mass all the time, but I can, I can find those daily readings and, and pick one of them. And then that can flow into, wow, I think this would be really great for my children to, to read, but the children have also shown us which scriptures are relevant to them. And so inside of all of our Bibles, I have the scriptures that are our scripture charts that are in the atrium. Mm -hmm. I have them inside of our Bibles so that wherever I am in the house, I know which scriptures are appropriate for them. And it also is for my husband who is not formed in the work. And so I don't really want him to feel like he's ill-equipped and that he might be reading something that is too hard for for the children to, Mm -hmm. to resonate with. It's kind of, you know, serving him as well so that he can encounter Christ with the children. So those scripture charts are really helpful. And then they're also there for the children so that I can say, Hey, you know, it's a good time for you to, to find some quiet time. Um, go pick out a, a parable that you'd like to read for the older kids to be able to, to have time with Christ. And they each have journals um, that we give them once a year so that they can, um, the older kids now just kind of write and then, but especially for the younger kids, cause they need that time to respond. So mm-hmm. we have carved out a place to put the journals so that they can journal in them and, and draw a response and keep it because everything in the home just kind of gets tossed around if it doesn't have right. a, a home. So those are, those are good places. I love the idea that you have put the scripture charts that are in the atrium in your Bibles to reference because those have been proven that the children respond to those specific scriptures. At one point in my mothering journey, I had the lofty idea of trying to read the Psalms to my children Psalm one on this day, Psalm two on this day. (laughs) I started with Psalm one and it's very long and my children tuned out immediately and it didn't resonate with them at all. It didn't speak to their, to where they were at in their spiritual journey. And so I love that Sophie and Gianna have given us these beautiful scripture charts to reference because um, they have been time tested to prove that children do respond to these specific scriptures. And so they've already done the work for us. And I love that you've just created little charts in your Bible to help you with that. That's really practical, helpful hint for parents to use. It's so true. How many times do we get frustrated with our ideas of what's supposed to be Mm -hmm. done? And then the children show us this is not right. Another example um, is when I pray the rosary with the children, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, for the most part, the older kids especially enjoy it. But 
most of the time when families are praying the rosary, and this is a beautiful and um, wonderful prayer of integrity, and it is so important, but the children have shown us that this is not a way that that children pray. So over time, what I have found is that there's just one mystery that I think all children need to know, which is the the joyful mysteries. And it was because of the, my time in the atrium and seeing that it's the um, infancy narratives that are lifted up in those mysteries. Mm -hmm. And so um, if we can pull out sacred art for those mysteries and introduce the child to the, the artwork, or rather I should say in the 13 years of parenting, the way that I have seen my children really respond to the rosary is in addition to having our spot for journals, we have four or five different rosary books and I can share them with you. So if you want to put them in the show notes later, you can, Mm -hmm. but one of them is chock full of sacred art. So there's a sacred art image for every single bead. So rather than having the child go on the journey with their fingers on the bead, the child is looking at pictures of Mm -hmm. the presentation in the temple and different interpretations of that scripture passage and looking Mm -hmm. at the birth and the visitation of the shepherds. And so they're turning the pages. I don't stop them. I'm not, I'm not really focused on trying to finish all 10 Hail Marys with them turning the pages, but rather I am saying them, giving them those, um, those pictures to look at. And then mm-hmm. um, I also have some other books that are similar that have the, the scripture passages. So rather than saying that, you know, just announcing it, the first mystery is, you know, we, we say the first mystery, the, the birth of Jesus. And then we read a little bit of the scripture passage. And then we say, let's ask Mary to help us go deeper. Then we need to read the next scripture passage that's right underneath it. And so they're hearing the story and then we're asking the blessed mother to go with us. And my favorite way to do the rosary with my three and four-year-olds is I got these crocheted rosary, um, I mean, these crocheted roses from Etsy and I put them in a basket and every time my husband and I would, would say, amen, they would take a rose out and place it on a sacred picture. One of the art that follows that, um, that narrative and, mm. oh, they, they are, cause, cause that is the age of movement of counting. So I'm, I'm really not interested so much in that they are paying attention to the rosary per se, but this is a moment of us to enter into the stillness, the slowness of a family, um, working together and for them to be involved in the sensorial experience of family prayer. And then they're also being led by their parents and we are serving the child in this way because gosh, family prayer comes sometimes can just be so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be messy and that's okay. It is it's okay. okay for it to be messy. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline, would you also share with us your tradition with the your children's baptism dates? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I also did not grow up celebrating my baptism anniversary and in the atrium and all the levels, our baptism is just lifted up so, so much. 
Um, so it was so fun to um, start to see this this moment to be lifted up, especially as a way to like really show our children, you know, you have been baptized and most of our children are baptized as, as babies. And so they often don't recall that when they enter in their teens and adult years, you know, oh my gosh, I wish I would have, I, I hear this from my, my friends, you know, I wish I would have known or had the choice to be baptized. So mm-hmm. I really love that we lift up this part of our Christian life, this grafting on to the vine in the atrium, because it, I really feel it's helping us as parents for our children to really show them that this was an intentional invitation. Um, so all this to say, on our, on our children's anniversary of baptism, we pull out basically the presentation that we use in the Liturgy of Light. And we've done it a couple of ways. It is not as quiet in the atrium, but we'll, after dinner time, we have cake and then we have a, a candle that represents Christ and we have every person have a candle counted for. And it's fun because then my husband leads it too. Um, and we just have this really beautiful blessing from, it's called um, the Blessing Book for Catholic Homes. So he will read that blessing. And then we'll take a candle and light it from the Paschal candle. And my husband will say, you know, if it's John Thomas's baptism anniversary, you've received the light of Christ. And then, um, this, this light wasn't just for you, it was for who else. And it's really so similar to what we do in the atrium. I make sure I have, have the, the lights dimmed. And by the time we get to the baby, it's so neat to see that there's always a little one in our house, that that baby is so still and almost anticipating the light coming to them. (laughs) And then we, we, we just sit for a little bit and we reflect what has happened to this light and everybody can see it. It has grown. And is this light just for us? No. And can we pray for anybody who, who needs to be baptized and who might desire Christ but have not met him. It's really beautiful to see them start to take their ownership of their Christian call. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing we've done is just kind of reflected on the baptism folder, um, you know, more deeper into the the work because sometimes we have six children. So we have four of them who have baptism anniversaries almost in the same month. (laughs) So I don't think they get tired of it, but I just wanted to kind of splice it up and add something new. So I just basically created the baptism folder with the tracing work and the gifts um, and just turned them over. And I, I didn't really do the, the quiet reflection on it, but just turn them over and say, let's just see how many gifts we have. And so We've got the chrism oil and the white garment. And so it's just really fun for them to all kind of be involved in this way, um, which I think lifts up also um, how the family can then serve each other, um, which is what the the atrium lifts up. This this work together, this community work, level one to level three, you, know, you start to see they're working individually together and then they're also beginning to do group work. So the home is just like that. So to see the the 10 year old um, wait for the, the three year old to turn over the card and then to wait for that child to then give the answer. It's mm-hmm. a, 
you know, this might be a sidebar, but I've often asked myself, you know, the church is so full of, of times of fasting. Where is fasting in the atrium? Because I found everything else that's in the atrium that's in the liturgical life. You know, where is fasting in the atrium? And I've learned, oh, it's in waiting. Waiting. Oh, I like that. Waiting is fasting. And so we're not just teaching the children to wait for the sake of waiting, but this is, you know, part of the moral life. And then this gets brought into self-gift and self-donation. So, you know, to see the 10-year-old have to wait for the three-year-old to turn over the card and then give their response is a kind of preparation for fasting. That's really cool. I've never thought of it that way. And that brings so much value to it. I love it. Praise God. I think it's so neat to see how the atrium has helped define the things that we do in the liturgical life so that it, it has meaning and it has depth um, so that, so that the rote prayers don't fall flat and so that we Mm. don't just become babblers. So we can Mm. say, you know, bless us, oh Lord, Lord, you know, we can stop right there and just start to say, okay, what are the names that were given? And that's prophecy, the, the infancy prophecies. Um, so many names, wonder counselor, prince of peace. There's something really fun that I love to do during Advent. Do you mind if I share this real quick? Yes, please. So during Advent, when you're driving around and you're seeing all of these Christmas decorations out, you know, there's, there's Mickey Mouse with Christmas hats on and there's, um, lately it's been Olaf everywhere. (laughs) Um, I love to, this has been really more of my response to the, the infancy prophecies. Um, and I just kind of make it my work and I involve the kids so that I won't forget um, that anytime they see Christmas lights, um, that we say the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light Um, Mm -hmm. because it's such a cool time to see so much light and to run to wonder who is this light honoring? Who is this light for? And when they see a star or a manger scene, um, that they are able to say star of wonder, star of light to go to that prophecy. It's a star that will lead us to the child because it's really kind of becoming a hard thing for parents to, to show with all these Christmas decorations. But when we started to do this, I think I've been doing it for probably five years now. We are really starting to see that there is Christ in Christmas. Mm. Christ is in Christmas and he's in so many wonderful places. And we are still enjoying the Christmas um, Olaf and Mickey Mouse decorations, but gosh darn it, even they are at the manger. And that teaches them to really have an incentive to want to look for Jesus and everything. Look for him in everything. Yeah. Well, Jacqueline, is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we finish? Gosh, I think we've covered a lot. Maybe this is more of like sentimental sentimentality, but the Catholic church is beautiful. It's beautiful in its decor and the domestic church can sometimes feel um, weighed down by material things and can sometimes feel messy um, because of the, the so much life 
is involved. You know, there's so much coming and going in the domestic church. And so it sometimes just kind of feels like defeated. But if we can, as mothers, be intentional with the decor of our home, and I don't mean that it's um, perfect, but that we have crucifixes in our home, that we have, um, Maria says, Maria Montessori says that every atrium should have a picture of the Blessed Mother holding the Christ child with John the Baptist as a reminder to the adult in the room that we are to decrease so that Christ will increase. So if we can have reminders in our home for us, the adults, to catch our eye, we might also be able to remind ourselves that this place is beautiful too. Mm -hmm. And lately with COVID and with being at home so much there, I, you know, it's gotten stressful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I have heard this verse in my head so many times where our hearts not burning to take advantage of these times that the Lord has given us with COVID to fill the domestic church up um, where our hearts not burning comes from that passage after our Lord rose and he had the encounter with the two disciples and he, he was walking with them Mm -hmm. and they did not recognize it. And he was talking with them and he was even consoling them like, you know, what's going on? And, and, and are you sure that that's what happened? You know, he's just having this casual conversation and they're like, yeah, like this horrible thing happened. Um, it's kind of how COVID, like, what's going on? Oh, we're stuck in our homes. This horrible thing has happened and we can't get out. And um, our extracurriculars are gone. And then later our Lord sits with them at the dinner table and he breaks bread with them and he is recognized. And they are like, oh. and then he begins to witness to them and explain the scriptures. And it seems like that's what's happening now. Like our children are in our midst constantly. And so I just keep hearing over and over where our hearts not burning. And so Mm -hmm. I try to find those times to not really even have the answer, but just to be still and just to just look at my children and to you know, watch what they're doing, be joyful that they're not fighting, or if they fight, you know, to be joyful that they're home, that they can fight because one day they'll be gone. (laughs) But just really, I just think it's important for the domestic church to, to be beautiful in its decor so that it can spill over to us and that we can remind ourselves that Christ is here. He is in our midst. We are baptized in him and that we need to recognize that we are, we are one with him. He is so close to us. Jacqueline, you are so wise. You've always been an inspiration to me as a mother, and I really appreciate you sharing that wisdom with all of us today. Mm, Praise God. I cannot echo enough about you too. Gush, gush, gush. You're awesome. Well, thank you, Jacqueline, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing with us. You're so welcome. May God bless our domestic churches. This is such a unique time. And may we as mothers and fathers, even grandparents who are trying to raise Christian children, may we turn and face him and glorify him in all that we do. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode today. I appreciate every single one of you. In our show notes, you will find 
a link to the different books that Jacqueline talked about in this episode. You will also find a link to our CGS USA website specifically where we have the parent resources that we've created for parents to be able to use or grandparents or whoever to be able to use to pray alongside the children in their lives. So please go check that out. The Good Shepherd and the Child podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So we would like to thank all the contributing members because you are making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.